Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. This is our Recommend or Refute episode where we each talk about a movie that we watched separately this week and tell the rest of the group and the audience whether we recommend or refute it. Uh, with me, as always, Ryan King. How's it going, Ryan? Well, it's going well. Um, yeah, I'm already thinking about John's movie and he hasn't even said what it is. <laughs> I think we're all very much looking forward to, to John's discussion. Um, John Garcia is with me as well. Uh, the aforementioned John, what do you have to say for yourself, John? I don't know how to feel anymore. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> any of the world is. <laughs> the things I've seen. God. I will say we have had many episodes that I have tried to turn into an intervention about your schlock addiction, John. And may maybe this is finally the straw that broke the camel's back here, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, Ryan, why don't you get us started off here so that we can ease our way into yeah. John's just, ridiculousness. It's never going to be eased. Uh, yeah, you I mean, know that. No, but at least we can get started on something a little yeah, less off-putting. A little lighthearted, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll start us off with, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of get just the usual feel. I'll do a kid's family movie. <laughs> yep. into John Schlock. Um, so I watched Nimona. The queen killer is still out there. Everyone is scared. He's a murderer. He's a monster. He's perfect. Hey, boss. Who are you? The name's Nimona. Your sidekick has arrived. I don't need a sidekick. Every villain needs a sidekick. I'm not a villain. The real villain is still out there, and I do need help. And then, who do you want to kill first? What? Look, I can help you, but promise me you won't freak out. Why would I trust you? Promise! I promise! Even when you see the horn? Horn! Promise! I promise, promise, I will not freak out. This is the part where you run. Which is on Netflix. I think it just came out. Netflix is, like, promoting it like hell. So much so that I got an email that was like, hey, this movie came out. You might be interested. And I looked at it and was like, all right, that works. looks like a watch. And I came down to my family. I was like, hey, I have a movie for us to watch. And they're like, oh, can we watch Nimona on Netflix? It was yeah. on there when we started up. And I was like, oh, that's OK. Obviously, they want us to Their watch marketing this. has got you. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. This is based on a graphic novel. Reading through it, it doesn't really have a lot to do with the graphic novel. They kind of changed quite a bit of it. Um. I guess Blue Sky Studios had the rights before they got shuttered through all the Fox, Disney, whatever kerfuffle. And so um, some of the people that worked at Blue Sky, some of the people that worked at Disney got to deal with Netflix to bring back this movie because I think they had said they had like 85% of it done and it got trashed. And so they like still wanted to work on it and I guess started over from scratch, but had a good chunk of a movie that they wanted to make. Um, I was honestly pretty surprised with how much i enjoyed it um just because i was like yeah it's a netflix thing you know you know whatever but i mentioned sea beast before uh from last year and was actually like pretty impressed like that was one of the best animated movies last year um to come out on netflix and kind of fly under the radar i don't know that this is going to be one of the best animated movies of this year um but i was surprised at like how how decent it was um the fast flyby basic premise um it's set in like a a medieval cyberpunk 
I don't know what you would call that kind of universe, uh, which I did like because the aesthetic was something you just don't see. And so this is like a world where they started off in medieval times and they've just continued to be obsessed with that into now they have a flying car future, but they still dress up as knights and joust and shit like that. Okay. Like joust to the degree of like spilling each other's blood in the streets kind of thing? No, it's pretty chill. Okay. Yeah, they, they live in this giant city that they built a wall around in peace to keep like supposedly there's something horrible beyond the wall and they've been like in this semblance of peace, but they have these knights that they, you know, every year are, are you know, inducting new knights to protect the realm. This sounds um, like the village. Yeah, also sounds yeah it's not like quite <laughs> a different version. No, of they know Conrad? they're in the future. There's a slight difference. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we, our our main character is like the there's two main characters. Nimona is obviously like the bigger main character, but we start off with a commoner who's becoming a knight. Uh, when all before it's only been nobles, and everybody's a little suspicious or a little worried, and there's doubts about him, uh, and he ends up getting. Uh, duped into using when his sword gets switched somehow we're not sure his sword triggers when he's being knighted and kills the queen and immediately oh. sends like everybody into a panic it and just automatically it just like by him. itself kills the queen just if it's like a laser comes out of it like she puts it down on oh. his shoulder it's got magic. and a laser okay. like comes out of the hilt and kills her so it's a sword slash lightsaber yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So he's on the run. Nimona shows up and she's a shapeshifter who just wants to fuck up everything and bring everything down. She's just a completely chaotic element. And she's like, oh, you're a villain. You killed the queen. Cool. I can join you as my sidekick. You can be, you know, I'll be your sidekick and be a villain too. And he keeps trying to be like, no, no, no. I'm trying to bring back like semblance. Uh, and it just is this completely offsetting set of characters. Like we're off to the races, like the completely chaotic one and the like, no, I'm still a knight. I still have to have my code of honor, even though everyone doesn't trust me. The animation was interesting. It's kind of a mix of things. I, like a lot more people are trying to do the Sony thing. Yeah. Uh, and so this isn't like to the degree of Spider-Man or quite to even mi the machines, Mitchells versus the machines. But it does some interesting things. Nimona is just completely unhinged. And I like that her animation was just very fucking loose. Um, but it does sort of like everybody has their shapes that they kind of stick to. So you, you kind of get a familiarity for the character and their shapes, their materials. Um, and it kind of mixes in the like armor that they have with more soft looks. So it kind of gives different textures. Like I thought that was all interesting. It was funny. Like we laughed quite a bit. It was pretty funny. Um, and my family enough at the end was like, oh, is there going to be a sequel to it or something? Like they felt like there was stuff kind of hanging. I was like, I don't think this was planned to be a sequel, but enough that they enjoyed it to be like, hey, there should be more of it. Um, so yeah, I think it's a recommend. I think it's a, a good, fun watch, definitely for a family. I don't know that this is one where I'm going to be like, hey, this is one of the best animated, but who knows if nothing else comes out this year. I'm sure Disney will shit the bed with everything they do. Um, <laughs> so I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> uh, yeah. The leads are Chloe Grace Moretz and Riz Ahmed, and I typically enjoy their work. How, how are they in, in the lead roles? Chloe Grace Morenz is fucking awesome. I thought she did a, a really, really good job. Um, she plays Nimona. She plays a title character. And there's a lot of variability in what that character does and how she talks and, and stuff like that. And I thought that was really, she did a really good job. Uh, and Riz Ahmed, I think he's, he's, he does a good job too. He plays more of a buttoned up straight kind of character. Like he's sort of the straight man 
to her chaos. Oh, interesting. That's kind of a, a different role for him. Yeah. Um. So it it worked, but it there is certainly like an overshadowing of character, and I think it's supposed to kind of be that way. Um. Because as you as it reveals more about her, the story kind of shifts from like his initial piece of like wanting to be this knight and and the murder to this like other thing where it becomes way more involved with her. Um. Tons of secondary characters that were like really memorable. Uh, RuPaul uh, plays this asshole of a knight that has no idea what's going on, yeah. but he's sort of like a, a a key antagonist. But he's like an idiot antagonist. Like he's only doing what he thinks he's supposed to be doing, and he's like a noble that just always is like, eh, everything's great. I'm a noble. Fuck everybody else." Kind of guy uh, mm-hmm. that you hate. Uh, Francis Conroy is the like head after the queen dies she kind of takes control of things she's pretty much just doing her Catherine hepburn from the aviator i'll be honest like okay. almost instantly yeah. i was like wait a minute what i know this voice um it works but i was like it's not a new range or anything majorly different that still can make for an interesting character though like Catherine hepburn's voice is very iconic and like it that just it it uh, you know evokes upper upper crust Connecticut bullshit, you know, to a degree that, yeah. that could could work for a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it, it worked right. It's in the in the animation, right? Yeah, you can kind of just like easily be like, ah, eh, this is what the character is supposed to be. You can tell by the voice, right? Like that's kind of what they give. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I was like, this is a pretty good recommend. I rather enjoyed it. Um, I, this is kind of to me a few hits in a row from Netflix, like. As far as their uh, as, animated kids films, yeah. As far as kids films, like I thought, the Sea Beast was really good last year. Mitchell's versus the Machines came to Netflix, and I, that was like my best movie of that year. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, I'm kind of like, you know, other than Spider Man, I kind of feel like a lot of the family movies that have gone to the theaters have been pretty big letdowns. And there's some decent money that's going into some of these, you know, that Netflix is now getting behind. And with the way animation studios have like come and gone and with a lot of streaming platforms are canceling their animation and taking it off their platform like netflix has come back and forth on it sometimes and like at least for a bit here it seems like they're kind of still trying to make um some family-oriented stuff some animated stuff and and some adult animated stuff not as much but but i appreciate it yeah i i'm curious because two things ryan because one i'm writing an article for the Hyperreal Film Club, and I want to know. Oh, la di da, la di da! I'm a published <laughs> author now. Uh, <laughs> yes, I write about my schlock exploits. Um, I, in terms of like the, we were talking about the Mitchells versus Machines, animated movies, all of that stuff. Like, where in the scheme of like how family friendly this is, what are like the dark elements of this movie? Are there any, or is it just more of that funny that you were talking about where it's like, yeah, that's a good point to call out. It leads a little more towards the dark. Um, Nimona definitely is like, wants to murder people. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And mentions it. I don't think she out and out murders anybody. (laughs) yeah but she she wants to and mentions that she wants to like she at the beginning she's that chaotic of an element um i will say there was one off-color joke that i really appreciated because it was the exact perfect kind of joke that flies over children's head um (laughs) but as they're escaping you know at one point she's turning into all these different things she turns into a whale 
and then they like fall through like each story of the building. Like, is it just the floor collapses under her weight? Mm-hmm. And as they land in one building, one floor, it's the like locker room and showers for all the knights. And there's a knight standing there, and she like glances down, and she's like, "Yeah, it's cold in this room, huh?" And then just smashes into the next couple floors. And I like look around, and like Darla looks at me, and I'm like, "Yeah, the kids have like nothing there. Yeah. Like they'll they're just like I okay, whatever it passes." Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, "That's perfect. That's the perfect kind of joke you can squeeze in here." Solid. I will say, towards the end, it does touch on some pretty dark mental health elements. They're not on the nose, but they're there if you know them, I guess is the way to put it. Mm-hmm. And there definitely is like a self-sacrifice that you could look at in a suicide kind of way. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen, but there's that that kind of angle to it. So I will say it gets to that element of like being that dark. Gotcha. Dang. Which I would say like, yeah, Mitchell's versus the machines. Nope. Fucking no, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's like the National Lampoons for kids, yeah. basically. Like, <laughs> even with humanity ending, yeah, no, it's all it's all comedy, super goofy. Yep, I agree. It's interesting. Uh, so the director, their co directors, Nick Bruno and Troy Quain, uh, their previous filmography does not look super great. They are in the movie as Sir Nicholas and Sir Troy, just their first names as knights. That makes me want to never watch this movie. Yeah, uh, does that like have a negative impact on the film? Did you notice that while you were watching it? It's like these dickheads seem to be trying to just make themselves characters oh, in this movie. You would hitchcock yourself into a movie and be Sir Dixon. <laughs> yeah, or right. If you were making a movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm not if saying I knew. wouldn't do that, but I'm not. I'm also not saying that I like myself. So, uh, you know, let's let's. Yeah. <laughs> did it, did you really? Was that abrasive no when you were watching idea. this movie? Did you even? Know yeah, I have no idea what scenes they're in. Okay. I can only assume that like at the beginning, there's kind of the locker room with a bunch of knights in it that are kind of like making fun of the guy for not being a noble. Uh-huh. And then there's, you know, a chaotic chase theme through the castle with various knights shouting like, get him and shit like that. Uh, and that's it. Other than like our main couple of other like knights that are our main characters. So I think it was just one of those where I'm like, yeah, I think they're in it and gave themselves like a bit to just be like, Hey, get him. And then that's it. Just uh, to be like, but they're hey, not like, there. like they're ah, like the sixth I'm and seventh that even, like, build people on IMDb. that kind of look like them, you know? Yeah, them, probably. Yeah. I was concerned that they were going to be somewhat major side characters. No. That were, yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. That's a Hitchcock cameo style thing. They were probably the knights who were in the pool. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll actually, like, being relatively honest, like, there's not really many side characters that have much, like, screen time even. Um, hmm. It is pretty much just our two main characters. There's a couple, like, they'll run into somebody, do a little bit with them. It's over. Move on. Uh, this movie also, it's like speaking speaking of like woke and anti woke. This movie just uh, immediately really? gets its wokeness out on Front Street in a way that I was like, oh, this was just so immediately it could be like turn it off, you know, like whoever yeah. needed to just like wouldn't get like tricked yeah. into watching half this movie. It just immediately out the gate is like, hey, here's our gay couple, so it can just like continue with the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> now let's move on and not have to deal with this bullshit anymore. Yeah, that's funny. Wow. <laughs> Um, and but, then, sorry, and the, the bullshit being the, the reaction to that. Not, not the, the reaction of it, yeah. Yes. And this is where, like, while the story has changed quite a bit, the original graphic novel, the author 
was closeted at the time, but through the book talked about kind of processing, coming out, processing, you know, if you were trans, gay, whatever, like kind of through that and admitting it to yourself and those changes. And this movie does reflect that as a theme. So it is where it's like, that. that's what this is. Like, we're just going to go ahead and look, you know, put it right there. If you don't like it, get out. Everybody else, you can stick around now for the rest of it. It's the put the beginning of your movie in another language. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Equivalent yeah. of, yeah, like. The uh, the 2001, we're going to show a bunch of apes doing weird shit and not talking for 30 minutes before we actually get into the plot of the movie. Right. Yeah. 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 It's the opposite of Jaws, where we just show you boobs right away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, fascinating. That was cool. Uh, so you're recommending this movie, yep. right? Nimona. Nimona. N i m o n a on Netflix. Yeah, I said it pneumonia. Right pneumonia now, so many yeah. times. Like pneumonia. You know, I had to practice it. Right. Pneumonia. It's the opposite, or it's not the opposite, but it rhymes as Shimona. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I'll always remember it. And I'm gonna go. I have to go re-up my Netflix subscription because I want to see that and. uh Sea Beast? That was the other one you recommended. Yeah, Sea Beast, uh, I think it was last year, yeah. And I got to get my list because I'm going to pay for like one month of Netflix and just, just watch, watch all, all of it. Yeah, that's right. That recommended. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. I can give you my mom's Netflix password. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work anymore. Didn't they change that policy? <laughs> uh, who knows? I don't know. Mine still works. Yeah, so, yeah. Cool. Uh, sounds good. John, uh, I hesitate to ask, what did you watch this oh, week? I know you're eager to hear about this one. <laughs> fucking coy prick. <laughs> uh, I, I watched, uh, so uh, not bringing the schlock today, baby. Uh, I'm bringing schlockumentaries. Uh, oh, very different. Very off the path kind of documentaries that you never would have thought you'd see. Uh, the one that I'm bringing, it's a 2017 documentary that I just received in the mail from our friends at Vinegar Syndrome. Not sponsored by Vinegar your Syndrome. friends at Vinegar Syndrome. Wow, way to distance yourself <laughs> from that Claire Denis film that you bought from their partners. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so uh. I, I, I've been watching a few different movies this past week, kind of debating what I wanted to bring here. And I think I want to recommend this documentary. Uh, it's called Love and Saucers. My name is David Huggins. I'm 72 years old and I live in Hoboken, New Jersey. I was living a perfectly normal life until I started remembering things. It was just like image upon image upon image. It wouldn't stop. I was so scared. The eyes were just glowing. They hit the ground running straight toward me and we floated up to some type of craft. I said, you hurt me, you hurt me. No, 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 no. This is the woman I never told anyone about. When I was 17, I lost my virginity to a female extraterrestrial. That's all I can say about it. Virginity lost. Uh, it's is this like an Italian film about like a couple bonding over pasta or something. You would think that <laughs> that would be yes, it is uh, the, the proto lady in the tramp. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it, 
It's a documentary about a man who claims that he lost his virginity at 17. Okay, who we who hasn't been there before? Am I right, everybody? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he claims he lost his virginity to an alien. Um, what? And the alien's name, as he says in the, the, the documentary, is Crescent. That's what he calls her. Did he fuck a tube of Pillsbury Crescent rolls when he was 17? Could and easily. Is using this as an excuse for... for cover. Yeah. If he is, <laughs> he has somehow turned that Pillsbury tube into a variety of Impressionist paintings which in the the film itself he admits are not really as impressionistic. He there's like about 5 to 10 minutes of educating on what impressionist is <laughs> and it talks about like Monet and it talks about Van Gogh and it, it, it none of those become what you see for the rest of the movie because it is just a matter of fact judgment-free documentary about a man who is convinced that he is boned on like 43 different occasions. Uh, That's a very specific number. A lady, a lady alien, um, ranging from when he was 17 to now, which he, or the time it was shot, which he was like 76, something like that. So, and they interview when, like. How recent was the last, like last week? Like, <laughs> they, okay, like we have so, a date tomorrow. Yeah, is he still like, fucking aliens? How's, what's going well, on? Well, with the dawn of democratized video and people being able to record you at any time, he seems to have slowed down on the amount of times oh, okay. he's What a coincidence. Yeah, I, I hesitate to accuse or imply anything, obviously. Um, I am an unabashed UFO <laughs> believer, and I'm skeptical about this story, John. It wasn't part of the, the whistleblowing. <laughs> they weren't talking about uh, how many military people scored. <laughs> we have a bunch of big boobed aliens imprisoned <laughs> under the Pentagon. <laughs> um, he, he has a, it's, it's fascinating to me to watch a documentary like this. Me being a person who has eight seasons of ancient aliens from the history channel, me who has a father who, uh, believes in ghosts and, uh, me who thinks that, yeah, we, we aren't alone in this universe. Maybe not. Uh, maybe we're not fully ancient aliens bullshit where we appropriate or reduce, uh, ancient civilizations capabilities, but Shit, there could be uh, yeah. something out there. Why not? Um, uh, never, never doubt the industriousness of old school slave labor, folks. Hell yeah. yeah. You know, to quote a T-shirt I saw on T-shirtHell.com back in 2007, <laughs> slavery gets shit done. And that's a this fucking left a real impressed. Did you buy this T-shirt, John? I did not because I would never <laughs> wear that T-shirt and that's fucking awful. But at the same time. Sure, like Matt Walsh, the conservative pundit, has said several times, slavery would work. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to cut this out of the fucking Okay, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can accomplish horrible things <laughs> through slavery, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. Well, when you just subjugate and completely reduce the autonomy of an individual, <laughs> you can do anything with them as a tool. Of course. Um, That's but- basically <laughs> what neoliberal capitalism is all about. <laughs> <laughs> you just let the free market sort itself uh, out. Am I right, everybody? Uh, yeah. uh, as Ayn Rand would say, let's just slowly re- reveal that I'm a conservative. I've <laughs> always been along this along this uh, journey. Um, yeah, anyways, back to the topic at hand. The man who is the subject of this documentary, Love and Saucers, his name is, is uh, 
cast is listed only on the uh, the letterbox as David Huggins. That's the only person who I guess wanted to be listed as the cast of this documentary. Like that is the alien fucker. That is uh, the yes. alleged alien fucker. Uh, we prefer alien fornicator. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that's the man who, and, and he seems like a very sweet person. I'll say that outright. I was talking to David Huggins right now. I would not have the courage to tell him that I think that what he thinks is bullshit, but behind his back <laughs> on this podcast, <laughs> I'm a piece of shit. And I will say, I think this man might have schizophrenia. <laughs> I think this man is in a delusional state and nobody around him has the courage to even try to broach the subject that it could be bullshit, that what he's talking about is wow. not real. Uh, and, and that includes, they interviewed his son for part of this documentary and his son, God, that kid's gotta not, be so fucked up. Not his alien son. It's not his, his alien his son. Yeah. son. <laughs> not, no. And, and not his alien son and not his 41 alien sons. None of those sons. He has a because dirt. Is he still married? Like normal sons? married? Like he's not is married. This, is his wife aware of <laughs> So there's a whole His section of the documentary, Ryan, every other week. There's a whole section of the documentary where they talk about the Ryan, where he, he pulled his wife into like a bathroom or something and was like, look, I'm going to tell you something that you might not believe, but I totally fucked this alien. <laughs> and his wife was like, I don't know how to feel about this anymore. And I don't know if I want to be with you. So she divorced him and then they lived together. Uh, anyways, as one um, does. <laughs> yes, which means that she is a, a, a kind, loving and gentle soul who will allow him to crash at her pad. I guess, uh, I'm assuming that's what that is because Has he continued to fuck aliens while living with his ex-wife. No, he has continued to make sandwiches at the sandwich shop that he works at and tell everybody about the aliens that he fucked at the expo- uh, uh, exhibitions of his artwork that he goes to. Okay. Um, this man weaves a tangled web uh, and nobody seems to challenge the lore of what he has. And I'm so like, I just, I don't understand it because there's so many times when I've seen, uh, I've seen another documentary called above majestic that had like every five minutes it changed what it was about because the person it interviewed was a completely different conspiracy believer. And so the documentary didn't know how to wrangle those people and cohesively mesh their distortion bubble. It's just an like fucking one hour and 10 minutes or however many minutes of this movie where it's just one man who gets to show you his impressionistic paintings, go to an art exhibition, talk about his family, talk about how he fucked aliens and how the mantis man who is an alien like creature watched from the corner and maybe paid like three bucks. Who knows? Is this the Jerry Falwell pool boy? (laughs) Is that what's happening here? It it might very well be. I don't don't entirely. uh, Yeah. You you really have to ask David Huggins. Uh, He would know if that's a kid's experience. I will say, okay. So me talking about how this is bullshit and I don't know if it's true. And it definitely seems like something that, wouldn't really make a lot of sense when you start to pull threads on it. Uh, there's one scene where the documentarian crew bless them. They capture a moment of what I think is self-awareness um, for the film itself, not for David Huggins. David Huggins is reading a book from like the 1970s, I think on alien abductions and alien signs that you've been in contact with aliens. I'm sure it's from somebody else who is also bullshitting. And he looks up at the camera and goes, I just remembered that when I was seven or eight years old, I 
would levitate in my bed sometimes. And then I would slam down into the bed. I'm doing like a Jesse Ventura impression for some reason. Uh, and he's I would, into conspiracies. And, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. And the aliens, they would slam me into the bed and I would just <laughs> wake up and realize that they had been abducting me. Um, and he does that. And then immediately after the documentary crew has the cognizance to ask, why did you just think of that? And he's holding that book still in his hands. And he just goes, cause I just read about it in this book. <laughs> and that was my moment to be like, wow, this man is delusional and is absorbing anything around him to tell this as and his thinking truth. that it happens to him. Absolutely. And there's other stuff in the movie, the, the, the documentary that like kind of peels back layers on that. Like he says that he was abused by his father. He had a very like negligent family and he didn't have a lot of attention, but his mother always paid attention to him. And then he talks about how when the aliens abduct him, they tag him in the nose and he bled from his nose because of the tag, like an animal and like the, a bull the, ring or something, yeah, something or? like that. And they, they, he talks about how they stuck like a metal rod up there and then he started bleeding and he, he exclaimed that was he lobotomized. Hurt me. I, I seem to talk like he wasn't. So I don't, I assume no, <laughs> but who knows? he had a, a little, a little light in a lobotomy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but like the, uh, the, 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 apparently he said, ow, you hurt me. And the woman, uh, alien that he was talking to Crescent, who had become his lover, um, comforted him and gave him motherly love in that moment. And to me that psychologically syncs up with his negligence, like the fatherly negligence, mm. the fact his mother always showed him affection. Some Oedipus shit going yeah, on here. Yeah, exactly. There's like those kind of things. But the rest of the movie is really, the star of the show is him and his, his painterly skills. Like all the things he, he shows you are him sucking on an alien's boob and it's impressionist or him being jerked off into a glass by three aliens and it's impressionist or a mantis <laughs> showing him 41 alien babies and one of them is dying because it's his child. Th that was like an arc that we were just talking in the previous episode about Jaws and how there's this microcosm of tension. And he has like 10 minutes to talk about how his, he found out that his alien wife was pregnant that her baby was dying and that he was the only one who could try to save her baby. And then when her baby maybe died or was saved, I don't really remember at this point because it's so convoluted that then later the mantis alien man was like, Hey, come check something out with me. There's actually 41 more of your babies. Like talk about a roller coaster of tension. How are you going to pay for college for all those kids? Like Jesus, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, like there's just those moments where I was like, he's trying alien to college is expensive. Hell yeah. Who knows? <laughs> out of much? state, out of state tuition. <laughs> Jesus, man. That's... Saturn, you, Saturn, you fighting rings, go fighting ring. <laughs> but yeah, like just those moments where I'm not sure like what truth he really believes, but he's constantly building in escalations of tension and trauma to his own story. It just made me feel sad that the rest of the movie was. Them interviewing friends of his, people who didn't believe him, asking them how they felt about his beliefs. And they basically just said, hey, everybody believes something different. And it's like that only goes so far until you have like a, a real problem on your hands. When somebody's delusion takes them to a point where they're like, I need to sacrifice like everybody's newborn to save my child who's in the stars. Like that kind of shit. Um, thankfully, this man's a docile impressionist painter 
who just wants to live out his life and paint all of the sequences of him having sex with aliens. Sure. Go wild. But the rest of the movie I did not agree with, but I found fascinating. (laughs) So that's kind of where I'm like, I recommend it as a documentary. It's Hmm. something you're not going to (laughs) see anywhere else. I I'm sure that you could try to dig up a, a modicum of, these kinds of documentaries on like 2B TV or some other shit, but you're never going to get the same amount of care that was put into it. Like this crew, they really wanted to be judgment free. They really wanted to show his story and his side of things. And they wanted to keep him on track too, which I appreciated with most people who believe they've been abducted by aliens or they're part of conspiracies. They have a tendency to uh, get their foot in the door and then immediately start talking about how Stanley Kubrick faked the moon landing and everything else. Yeah. yeah, There's an Arctic circle protected by pirates and whatever the fuck else. Uh, This guy just wanted to show you his artwork, talk about his life and his family just wanted to talk about the same. And I appreciated it. And I had a good time as bewildered and creeped out as I was by some of the shit I saw. I'm amazed that he says the sex with them is not very good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, like that. Now I kind of maybe believe him because I'm like, you know, if you're gonna boast about having a, a thousand children with aliens, then be like, yeah, but like, sex is not that great. Like, <laughs> well, he was mostly unconscious whenever they came to him, or he would. Okay, so here's one of the things when I said earlier, I think he has schizophrenia. Here's where it comes from. He says on camera that anytime he woke up and the aliens were going to visit him, he would hear a voice in his head that said, we're going to see you today. And that was all he said. And to me, that seems really fucking suspect because he never established telepathy and he never established anything else. And he never tried to scientifically assess. He wasn't like, Oh, you know, like this happened to me when I was young and I tried to get like an eight millimeter film camera or something. have a buddy stay up all night and watch me or any of that shit. He was just like, yeah, I just went he to just bed. just accepted it. I just went to bed. Mm-hmm. And then it happened. And and who knows? So. I have a I have a hundred bucks on Saturn U to absolutely destroy Uranus this weekend, by the way. <laughs> uh, so so these paintings, uh these sex paintings with these aliens. Go on. I have lots of questions. First of all, what do these aliens look like? These aliens are, and that's another, again, more notches in the belt of me being skeptical of his story. He pulls on current mythology, the the universal mythology of the greys. He's like, they're just like the greys. They look exactly like the greys. They have big eyes. They have big heads. They have slender bodies. They have big tits. Everybody knows that's the greys has. Uh, and he goes from that point. Tiny and everything just, <laughs> but heads and tits. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and no Bush, surprisingly enough. Uh, well, they're hair- all aliens <laughs> they're are hairless. hairless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so he, he kind of starts from that. And then he talks about two other aliens. Um, I've already talked about the mantis man. It's a dude who looks like a praying mantis that watches him from any corner when he's having sex, some pervert in the stars, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. The, the fuzzy man, the furry man, he's oh. like the Chewbacca of the aliens. So this guy's into furries. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's painted this furry man and he looks like, I guess, a Sasquatch without like the more hominid ape like qualities. It literally just like a gray that's wearing a fur suit. 
I'm sure that it's a gray that's into furries. Okay. Um, and he, he talks about his first experience being with the fur man the, in the forest. He was standing at the edge of the forest talking to his friends. And then he just heard David, David. And he turned around and there's a fucking Ewok standing seven feet tall looking at him. <laughs> and uh, I guess that's a Wookiee at that point. And yeah, uh, that's literally what that is. And it? then the, the <laughs> Wookiee runs into the forest um, and he never, and then like after that, he just has repeat scenes of him. So he talks about three aliens both on camera to the camera and at his exposition in front of his paintings to a lot of people who look very interested and also look very concerned. Uh, and yet still say nothing. You cowards. Uh, I, I really, <laughs> everybody else who's not David Huggins in this movie. I'm like, they all just agreed to not shatter his bubble and not try to challenge him. And I just, it's, it caused this existential dread in me. I just didn't know how to escape that. That's like, interesting. Yeah. Maybe there's like, it's like he has a job. He's a functioning member of society. He's not hurting anybody. Just let he him tells have weird his fun. stories. He's off putting to people potentially, or, or maybe people are drawn to him just for, you know, other reasons. But like, at least he's not like he can exist in the world. And if you just like let him have his fantasy, he's harmless. And like, may, maybe there's some level of, of you know, that to it. I think that you're right, Dixon. This is the documentary version of Big Fish. This is absolutely <laughs> about a man who just tells tall tales. Yep. And everybody around him just but like, everybody okay. loves him. Yep. And I, I agree. That, that, that's that got to yeah. be what it is because David Huggins, he's a sweet man. So by the end of it, I loved him. And I was like, I don't believe anything you're saying, but uh, you're, you're telling it like it's truth, David Huggins. And I can't say no to you. All right, fine. You yeah. sex with an alien enough times to have 41 children. Okay. Uh, I'm just thinking of that, like, how many times you've been at the Jersey Mike's, you're waiting for your sandwich to come <laughs> off the grill, the guy starts telling you about aliens and having sex with them and all that, and you're just, like, waiting so you can tell him what you want on top of your sandwich, you can just get out of here. <laughs> yes. That's exactly. And you just let it go, you know? You're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> Yeah, I know all about it. Don't uh, yeah, yeah, you don't have to tell me can twice. Can I get the juice, please, so I can get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyways, we would recommend Love and Saucers. Uh, it's okay. a, an unjudgmental documentary about a, a dude who has a lot of weird experiences and paints them, and it's kind of heartfelt and interesting to see from that. And it's only 65 minutes long. Hey, you know, 65 minutes, hour and five minutes, not bad. Yeah. You know? I like that they're all grays except the the main one that has sex with them all the time that just is like a human woman with a gray mask <laughs> over yes. her face and regular hair. <laughs> like she's just. That is. Yeah. Um, his. I don't know. It, it's just one of those things where you're like, I'm co-opting current mythology and just working it into my own shit. Yeah. But uh, anyways, uh, moving on from that weird shit, um, Dixon, what do you got? Yeah. So uh, I watched a kind of classic American film this week. I was uh, on 4th of July hanging out with a friend and trying to figure out uh, a movie to watch uh, after we watched Jaws last, last week, John, and uh, decided on uh, A League of Their Own, which I had never seen. Columbia Pictures would like to take you out to the ball game. For an all-star comedy. They'll pay you $75 a week. We only make 30 at the dairy. Well then, this would be more, wouldn't it? The manager, Tom Hanks. Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. The catcher, Gina Davis. 
What do you say we slip in the back seat and you make a man out of me? What do you say I smack you around for a while? Can't we do both? The pitcher, Lori Petty. I made it! I'm a Pete! A Rockford Pete! The scout, John Lovitz. Are you coming? See how it works is. The train moves, not the station. And batting cleanup, Madonna. What if my uniform bursts open and, oops, my bosoms come flying out? You think there were men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? I, I was always kind of skeptical about it because it seemed like a formulaic sports movie and it stars Tom Hanks. And, uh, you know, for the second week in a row after Asteroid City, I'm about to recommend a Tom Hanks film, which is just very against <laughs> every fiber of my being. But I did enjoy A League of Their Own. Um, it's a Penny Marshall uh, kind of dramedy uh, starring uh, the wonderful Gina Davis, who is really great in the lead role. Um, really stacked cast. We've got Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, David Strathairn, um, John Lovitz, Bill Pullman, like a lot of really talented people. The president of the United States, Bill Pullman. Exactly. has a very minor role <laughs> as a, a soldier married to Gina Davis, who shows up at the end of the oh, movie. Before he got his presidency, I see. Yeah. Um, and, you know, despite Tom Hanks and all his Tom Hanksiness, uh, I, I, I like this movie. I, I think, um, you know, Legal Their Own is about... You know, during World War II, as U.S. Uh, you know soldiers are overseas, uh, a lot of the major league baseball players, Joe, Joe DiMaggio, a lot of other big players are are overseas, not playing baseball. And in order to fill that gap in you know American entertainment, some you know rich old dudes decide to start a girls' baseball league. And you know, it's a very condescending thing where like they have uniforms that are not conducive to playing baseball at all. Like they're, they have to wear skirts and have bare legs. And so when they slide into a base, they're just like absolutely tearing the shit out of their skin Ugh. on their thighs and their asses. And like, it's, it's not like what you would want a baseball league to look like, but it is an opportunity for some of these women who don't have a lot of, uh, else to do while either their husbands are at war or they are are single and and just like needing to uh be able to find some way to make a living during the war um you know they're able to join this league and you know not make a ton of money but but be able to to survive and and go do this and a lot of these women are really talented and and really good at baseball and have never had an avenue to uh, really explore that uh, in any sort of professional context. Um, the movie opens with John Lovitz as a scout for the uh, Women's Baseball League, and he's just hilarious in that role. Like he's traveling around the country trying to find like hot women baseball players to get to join the league. And, you know, it's like he only wants to find the lookers that can look hot in the skirts to, to play baseball. And, you know, Gina Davis fits the mold as attractive athletic woman that can join. And she has a sister who's less attractive and not as good at baseball. And he's like, well, like whatever, like if you join, you can take your sister also. Um, and then, you know, they, they kind of meet other people along the way as they get to the tryouts for this women's professional league. It's a very small league. You know, there are only four teams, like 64 women can join and they only have like a hundred people trying out. Like it's a pretty small affair as they get started but um 
it's really like it's a sports movie you know it it does kind of what you think it's gonna do along the way there are not a lot of surprising points um but gina davis is really good in it i think she kind of carries the movie in a lot of ways it's also like the cinematography is is very good in a 90s studio film kind of way like it's it's not doing anything super innovative but it's making the right decisions to kind of frame shots in a way that will bring out the drama of the scene and and things like that um Hans Zimmer did the score which I was shocked to Mm. see in the credits because it's not just like a Christopher Nolan punching you in the dick repeatedly until the movie (laughs) ends type of thing like it actually is real music paired with the movie and um you know I think Hans Zimmer is really talented but uh, I get kind of bored with his Nolan scores for the most part. Um, and this one was a little bit different. It's a more playful, um, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, you know, Tom Hanks is the manager of the team and he shows up kind of in the second act of the movie as this guy who allegedly hit 486, I think, maybe 487, something like that home runs in the majors and like drank his way out of Major League Baseball, like is just kind of a, a shithead who spends all any money that he gets on booze and the only job he can get is to manage this women's team and he like doesn't like the fact that he has to do this. He doesn't take it seriously. Um, I would argue that if you're going to cast a guy who allegedly hit almost 500 home runs in the major leagues, you should cast someone who is physically larger than Tom Hanks. Um, I didn't buy at all the fact that he was a successful major league baseball player. Um, I thought that he actually did real quick. Oh yeah, go for it. Six feet. He's six feet even. And Gina Davis know if I is believe six that. <laughs> Gina Davis is towering over him in those yeah. scenes with their when they're together. Um, that feels like a uh, we measured Tom Hanks in some uh, several layers of Doctor Shoals and some cleats, and we measured <laughs> Gina Davis in bare feet. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tom. I, I actually thought Tom Hanks was not bad in the role, um, but I just didn't really buy him as that character like you need a more imposing athletic figure like some guy in his 30s who has drunk his way out of the majors and only isn't in the the war because he has a cartilage issue in his knee like you need somebody who's more imposing and more athletic than that to make that role land i think hanks did what he could with it and um you know as i as I think about Hanks now, I'm always like, oh my God, he's so terrible now. I don't want to ever watch his old roles. Like, did, was he actually terrible in Saving Private Ryan? I don't know. I don't want to find out, you know, like, and, and this with watching League of Their Own Fresh for the first time, I was like, I think he actually does a good job in the role, but I think that he was miscast. Like, I, that's not the guy that you, that you cast. That. Like, Maybe Bill Pullman should have played that guy instead of, you know, the the soldier who was Gina Davis's husband. I was thinking maybe somebody a little more convincing who maybe had like an uh, like John Candy would be kind of fun in that role. Oh, like a Babe or Ruth like, kind of yeah, character. Babe yeah. Ruth himself was a big fat guy. <laughs> you know, it's just like that. <laughs> like uh, that or uh I hesitate to say a Jim Belushi, but hey, you know, whatever. Oh, you I can, don't know if I like with, that. With but. the right direction, you might be able to make it work. It's just yeah. that kind of like, yeah, to get somebody who's a little bit heavier set, more prone to looking like they've been drinking quite a bit since they retired yeah. sort of thing. 
I, I would, I mean, John Candy, especially, I think of Uncle Buck and I think of those kinds of yeah, characters cool that he's and, yeah, yeah, and it's just like, yeah, bring him in. That'd be great. I think that that would work out. Um, Maybe been a little too old at the time for that role, but yeah, Hank, yeah, Hanks is too small. It just didn't really, really make a lot of sense to me. They're just what, yeah. Um, but I mean, overall, I think the movie, the movie's good. It's a sports movie. Like it, it goes where you think, where you think it's going to go. Um, the sister character, like, you know, Gina Davis has a younger sister who is like always frustrated and mad at Gina Davis because she thinks like, Oh, you're stealing the spotlight from me and you're always so perfect. And I have to live in your shadow and blah, blah, blah. But like, she kind of sucks, you know, like Gina Davis is, is really good at baseball and like a very, uh, you know, a person you can get behind and, and feel good about, like a, just a generally nice person and very smart. And her sister is kind of annoying and just like, oh, well, you know, my perfect big sister, I never get to do anything. And like, she only gets opportunities because Gina Davis is providing them for her, but she's constantly complaining about <laughs> that that fact that she has to live in her shadow. And it's like, I, I don't know, I, I just got really tired of that. And like, the end of the movie, like it does again, it's just exactly what you think it's going to do. Like I turned to the person I was watching with, I was like, I guarantee you this is going to happen. And it, it did, but then it didn't like, uh, because they were, I just assumed they were going to stop with this sister bullshit, but then they didn't. And like the movie takes that to a degree that I was like, I just don't, I don't like where this is going. It like elevates the sister character. Like, Oh, she has this triumphant, moment at the end of the movie i was like i never liked her and i didn't want her to be successful because i was just kind of annoyed with her the whole time um but i i will say like um you know i've seen gina davison uh, you know several different things and i've always liked her but i've i've never like, i feel like i appreciated her a lot more seeing her in this movie and and kind of what she can do and and seeing her like you know her uh attractiveness and her athleticism and her uh you know, just kind of charisma coming together all in, in this role in a way that uh, really shows who she is as a person and, and what she can do that I thought worked really well. And like Hanks in those moments where he has to come through and deliver emotional moments, he does it in a way that is successful that I was kind of surprised by. Um, again, didn't buy that he was a major league ball player, but I, I did think that he brought those emotional moments through when he needed to. At the end of the movie, they're like flash to present day. We're all old now and we're going to the baseball hall of fame. And it's like all that stuff. I'm kind of like, yeah, groaning at, at the traditional framing device for a sports movie type of thing. But, um, you know, I, I enjoyed it for the most part throughout and, and had a good time with it. I'm glad that I have now seen it, you know, such like a quintessential American film that I had been ignorant of to this time. So I'm, I'm glad I've seen it now. I definitely would recommend it mostly for Gina Davis and her work in it. And I think, you know, aside from the, uh, the moments in the movie that are very predictable, the script is good uh, aside, but like it definitely falls into the traps of like, we're a sports movie. We're going to do the things that we have to do. But the moments that are about the characters and separate from doing the plot that you expect actually work pretty well. Um, Rosie O'Donnell is really great in it. And like, I haven't really seen her that much in movies before. And, and she was really good in that role. Madonna is really good. 
Um, David Strathairn is great as like the executive that's kind of trying to make he's like the commissioner of of the league and like the owners don't even think it's going to work and they're trying to shut it down because the war is ending and he's fighting to keep it going and uh like there there's a lot of people who do really good work in this movie and um overall i enjoyed it and would definitely recommend people check it out sounds like you were annoyed that um gina davis's sister didn't pull herself up by her bootstraps dixon oh my god uh, didn't Uh, uh, like that she was afforded too many opportunities and handouts my friend i will not fall into this conservative (laughs) trap that you're laying in front of me john let's just say for a second here dixon that uh i'm sorry i'm not gonna go into my ben shapiro Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've never seen uh, a league of a league of their own. Um, I know that there's like a TV series now on Amazon. Oh, I didn't I think. realize that. Uh, and uh, I I haven't watched that either. I not I haven't been super into it because same thing. Tom Hanks. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I want to go back and watch Tom Hanks stuff. Although I do want to see what is it called? Monsters and Mazes. Um, I don't know. Oh that God, is. yeah. Come on, Ryan. You know <laughs> the, it. Yeah, the yeah. D and freakout movie. There's a, it's like a satanic panic for D and D where Tom Hanks plays oh. a character who gets too invested in D and D Dixon. And then he Tom can't Hanks tell. Tom Hanks would absolutely do that shit. Wouldn't he? Yeah. And then he yeah. can't tell reality from fiction Dixon and his friends have to save him. That's the whole movie. Isn't that just Jumanji? That's basically Jumanji, <laughs> but, but they yeah, flip it instead of devil. getting pulled into Jumanji, you get pulled into New York city and this man is oh my just God. flying off the handle all the time. It looks great. But yeah, a league of their own. I've never seen. And I, I didn't really know. I've never had anybody that I've known close to me. That's been like, you gotta watch a league of their own. It's great. I've had, I haven't until recently. Friends of friends have told me and I just never really did, but it sounds like something I should check out. I mean, you already know me. I watched Elvis. I know how Tom Hanks can go into a role. (laughs) So I feel like a league of their own. It would be easy for me to watch that. As I mean, honestly, to- off the top of my head, it, it like it's one of the best Tom Hanks roles, like maybe Saving Private Ryan or this. And I, I have I'm struggling to think of anything what, else that would Big? reach that level. Big yeah. sucks. Big is not a good movie. I don't. I That's don't. a Penny Marshall directed as well. Oh, it is really. The, yeah. About Steven Steel, amazing Steven Spielberg's The Terminal. Yeah, oh, terrible, the terrible term. movie. Tom Hanks is real bad in it. Again, doing a weird accent that you can't ascertain where it's from. Did you ever see Joe versus the volcano? No, I haven't. I feel like you might actually yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it's, like it's, got, it's got Meg okay. Ryan and it's got Tom Hanks. It's not You've Got Mail, but Tom Hanks basically, he works a soul-numbing job at a factory. And one day he just realizes that everything's bullshit. And he decides to sign up for a weekend getaway to this Hawaiian Island or some fucking Pacific Island where he'll be sacrificed at the end of his vacation. It's all expenses paid, whatever he wants to do. He's treated like a God for like however many days. And then he's thrown into a volcano and the entire movie is about him being like, yeah, there's not really much more to life. I'm just going to fucking do this. And uh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Right. Like I don't know the Tom, the Tom Hanks has the, like the gravity to pull that off. Yeah, but, it's it's going to be you're going to probably get some Tom Hanks moments from it, obviously. Yeah. But the the main premise is kind of interesting still. And it hmm. has a whole like, yeah, you know, you should really the the entire message of that movie is just like just like lighten up and like enjoy your life more. Otherwise, it's going to drive you to this kind of shit sort of thing. So, um, I yeah, it's good. I mean, I would recommend that. But 
Interesting. Uh, I got to now. I got to watch the leak of their own because I just been putting it off for too long. Um, yeah. yeah, Ryan, have you seen I, it? I've seen it actually a few times and watched it last year with the whole family. It's actually family appropriate. I don't. I don't. We. I think there's a little yeah. like maybe cussing from the girls or there's something like here some and there dancing and, scenes at a roadside bar you know you got to be careful about yeah that. but it's like mostly <laughs> you know close enough family appropriate i was being facetious right <laughs> <laughs> yeah no 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 <laughs> yeah it's not that um and uh they all enjoyed it like darla's seen it a few times really enjoyed it and that's why she wanted to to introduce it to the kids i i pretty much agree with everything you said like i think hanks does what he needs to do uh Penny Marshall has a good touch for comedy. Um, yeah, she clearly has a good directing eye where like she's able to correct. Like she doesn't make any decisions in the movie where I'm like, you went wrong there. Right. Like, right. It maybe could have been better, but there's nothing that like there were things that I was like, oh, I really appreciate that little camera touch that she did there or or that that decision to cast that person or, or whatever that that yeah. works well. And like a little bit better than what I expect from most studio movies yeah the the cast is really good like it really is good and the star said it, it is a rosie o'donnell that is not annoying it's a madonna mm. that doesn't overshadow everything else around it uh gina davis is amazing i would say this and thelma and louise are probably her like big ones i'm always been fascinated by the fact that she's an olympic art archer like oh i forgot about that yeah, yeah. uh but before she got stuck playing in the Stuart Little movies, this is when she gets to hey, yeah, be a yeah. lead. Um, it, yeah, no, I, and I think it still holds up pretty well. Um, and, and it does, you know, it is still kind of a relevant message of that. Trying, you know, to, to get what you can get out of something, like trying to make it and at least take one step you know, for, for everyone else later to, to be able to go further. Um, and an interesting, you know, little tidbit of, of history that people had forgotten of these mm-hmm. leagues and what they meant, you know, to some of these women beyond that. Um, so yeah, I think it all kind of pulls together pretty well. Um, and yeah, I definitely, it's, it's memorable in my mind. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think they're like, for the most part, they get the baseball right, but there are definitely some moments where they don't. And like, I'm not even a big baseball person, but there are some some moments where I'm like, they're like, oh, you need to pull the ball. And I'm like, you said like there's a hole on the right side and it's a right handed batter. And you said you need to pull the ball. That doesn't make any sense. Or like (laughs) Gina Davis is too tall to be a catcher, you know, just like different things like that. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. But like, you know, there are little moments like that that kind of pulled me out of it. But like if you can just like cram those down and be like, look, it's a movie. I'm just going to move on with this. Then like. It's it's totally like Gene Davis probably should have been like a pitcher or an outfielder or a third baseman or something with her her build, but you know what whatever it is what it is it 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 works. Yeah, agree. Well, I mean, and that's every sports you know sports in quotes movie. I mean, yeah. it's montages, it's questionable <laughs> in its understanding of the rules and bends mm. them for you know what it needs to be. Yeah, not every sports movie, but the vast, vast majority of them. Yeah, the, yeah. the few that get it right, you're like, oh shit, okay, they actually paid attention here, and they're the, they're uh, yeah, they care about this. 
since it's the summer and the kids have absolutely fucking nothing to do, my daughter has been tearing through seasons of TV shows that she finds. Oh. And uh, one of the recent, well, the recent one that they've been watching is Bella and the Bulldogs. It was on Nickelodeon a while ago. It's about a cheerleader that becomes the quarterback for her team. Oh, God. Uh, okay. And <laughs> like uh, I love, Little Giants? Like that kind yeah, of thing? Kinda, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love how like complete lack of giving a shit about actual football the show oh, has. I can't imagine. Because yeah. they only ever show one field. Like they have one set of a field. And so it's always <laughs> like whether it's a home game or an away game, it's the same fucking set. And it also is nowhere, nowhere near 100 yards. It's a good 30 for the whole fucking field. Hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is TV football. <laughs> I will say that when I was, when y'all were talking briefly, I was trying to look up Gina Davis because I couldn't remember what Gina Davis looks like. Oh, but I, I feel like she has a very memorable uh, facial structure. You, would, you yeah. would think that I would remember that, but I ended up somehow on Rosie O'Donnell's IMDb entry for riding the bus with my sister. And uh, I was like, Gina Davis isn't in this movie. But that's also because I've had enough whiskey at this point to yeah. forget what movie I'm looking at. <laughs> looking <laughs> so for. I was just like, none of the people Dixon said, Tom Hanks isn't in this movie at all. <laughs> John has delved back into, I believe that's the Jack Daniels bonded. That is the yeah. Jack Daniels yeah. bonded. Uh, I, but yeah. After looking at some of those pictures of the alien sex, John, I can't even... You don't remember anything, where so you are. Yeah, exactly. It's basically, I, I don't know if it's the whiskey or the alien sex that's on my mind. That's fried it. But uh, which one is more powerful? Who knows? You know, it's tough I don't know. To say. Either way, I got to watch the league of their own. <laughs> 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 I got to push past this. This is my trial. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to watch this movie uh, just because I already won. You've given me some good foundational baseline of like, here's what how Tom Hanks performs in it. Great. I've seen Elvis. Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks is capable of. It sounds like I know that he's <laughs> capable of murder by saying that. But uh, it, it's just one of those things where I'm like, all right, I know what to expect. And the rest of it, um, I'm sure is just going to be a great sports movie for me. I'll have a good time. And uh, I'm I'm. Is that on Disney Plus or what was it on? Uh, it was on Netflix. Where, okay. How I watched it. Yeah. I think Adam, you can also rent it. If you don't have Netflix, you can rent it through the tech monopoly of your choice. Okay. Well, sounds good. I'll add that to my list of Netflix movies. I'm going to run through in the one month right, of subscription yeah. I have. There yeah. you go. <laughs> but yeah. Cool. Uh, well, all right. It, that we've got a round table of recommends. I believe uh, we have uh, Ryan with a recommend for that. that Nimona. Yeah, Nimona. I was like, I'm not going to remember that word. Nimona, the Netflix animated film with Chloe Grace Moretz and Riz Ahmed. And we've got John with a recommend for an alien sex documentary. Love and saucers, everybody. Go check it out. It's a documentary you're not going to see anywhere else. Is that like only available on Vinegar Syndrome Blu-rays or is that available online somewhere? I'm pretty sure you can rent that online. I don't think that they... We think you might be able to rent it online, folks. So. Might be able to find the full thing on YouTube yeah. <laughs> for free. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? Uh, and I am recommending a league of their own. So uh, thank you guys so much for joining us this week on Recommender Refute. This was a fun episode. A very wide array of of items. Yeah, that such we an eclectic bunch of things. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of appeal here. Two real movies and, and an alien sex about, documentary yeah. that John may or may not have filmed himself. Uh, 
we, we don't we can't verify that. I thought you were going to say may or may not have made up. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard to, to write this May have this been a fever dream that John had last week. <laughs> when he was in Manila calling cockfights. Uh, <laughs> the the Brockmire references keep coming back. <laughs> they always will. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us this week. We'll see you in a few days uh, with me, as always. Ryan King, I don't know if there's crying in podcasts, but there is alien sex. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of both, if you know anything about podcasts. Usually one precedes the other. Uh, and also... John Garcia, please, for the love of God, don't look up those alien paintings. And I'm not saying this to make you do it. I'm just trying to warn you. Why won't anybody listen to me? Uh, Folks, you're going to want to look up those alien sex paintings. Uh, I am your host, Michael Dixon, and I didn't introduce myself previously because I am a fucking idiot. Thanks for putting up with our bullshit. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.